What is up, everybody, and welcome to a very special episode of the Denver Sports Podcast. We're going to be talking about the biggest villains of the 2010s as part of our Top of the Ten series over on DNVR, which you can check out as a subscriber, our full list of the 50 most important athletes, as well as daily coverage of lots of different angles, recapping and reliving the decade. Today, I'm joined by... uh, Everybody, <laughs> several people, whoever these people yeah. are, <laughs> several people to help me look at the Broncos, Rockies, Avs, and Nuggets. I've got Ryan Konigsberg. Hi, yeah, perfect. <laughs> I've got Rudo. Yo, and I've got Drew Creaseman for Rockies. What's happening? What's happening? Um, so I'm going to start with you, Drew. Looking back at this decade, who are some of the big rivals slash villains of the Colorado Rockies? Yeah, you know, it, it's hard to have a rival or a villain when you aren't especially competitive. So the mm. first half of the decade, you're, you're, you're not a whole lot to work mm. with there. If you wanted to go way back to the early times in 2010 when they could have been good, coming off of 20, uh, 2009. 2009? How, how are we saying that these 2009? days? 2009. <laughs> oh, is that how you say <laughs> that? Is that is how you say that, yeah. Weird. It's been um, so long. I know. Uh but, you know, they, they were kind of trying to make the Diamondbacks a more regular, and we'll get into that a little bit. The Phillies were kind of being an interesting one, but then the, the Rockies went away for half a decade. And so the, the first one that came to mind for me as, as we first started talking about this conversation uh, that, that's more specific was Archie Bradley because mm. the first time oh, this God. decade that the Rockies did get into the postseason was in 2017. They get to that wild card game. It had been a long time coming, everything from the building of the team to get there to that game. And people oftentimes forget because John Gray had such a blow-up start at the beginning of that wild card game in Arizona and several other pitchers really struggled. It in I think a lot of people's memories, it feels like it was a blowout. Like the Rockies were never in that game. They never really mm. had a chance to win it. And they absolutely did. They had all the momentum in the game. They'd made it a one-run game. I believe it was the fifth or sixth inning. And two outs, two on. The other team's worried about this game might go into extras, so we're going to bat a relief pitcher. That's that's right. a 95% win probability yeah. outcome for your team. Instead, Archie Bradley uh, rips a triple. A relief pitcher hitting a triple in any at-bat is one of the least likely things to happen in, in the game of baseball, and it swung the momentum back in the Diamondbacks' favor. So that's a rivalry that happened in a vacuum, though, right? Like, I mean, this didn't more extend. Of a, yeah, it's more of a villain. Or villain, Like, yeah. a villain was born. He's standing on third base, like, yeah. flexing and screaming. And, yeah. I mean, that pisses you off. It's a real low point, too, because as you mentioned, it was a long time coming. You get there. It's the one game. And it goes like that. Right. And and he was one of those guys, too, like Ryan was saying. He's, like, always one of those more bombastic guys. Archie Bradley's a perfect – you hate him if he's like, playing against you. You love him if he's playing Got for you. Got the big beard. You know, it makes him stand out a little more. And even that the Rockies did hit him back the next season, Rymal Tapia hit a pinch hit grand slam against Archie Bradley that basically ended their season and sent the Rockies toward their 91 wins a year later. And so, yeah, there are a lot of interesting things about the Diamondbacks and Rockies rivalry going back away. They came into the league around the same time the Rockies have, have had a little bit more regular season success which is weird but the Diamondbacks obviously won the World Series I've uh, been in the postseason a bit more times and that yeah that was just one of those moments that uh, that's probably Rockies fans 
most hated moment of the decade probably is that Archie Bradley triple. I would call that a really big villain, a really big moment, but it's sort of a soft, like overarching rivalry villain. I mean, it's because it happened in such a vacuum. And this is a problem with the Rockies, I think, is they don't have a real rival. They don't have any real villains because they haven't been good enough for a sustained period. I mean, we see this with all rivalries. What, What creates a rivalry? high leverage situations between yeah. the two teams over and over again. Obviously, the one that stands out to me the most, the one that I grew up with, is, is Colorado-Nebraska. That wasn't a rivalry until Colorado started beating them in the last right. game of the season uh, and you know, kind of taking something away from them. you got to take something away from someone else a couple times to make them really hate you. And you know, with the Diamondbacks, there is this rivalry, but it's just kind of fizzling. It's never kind of come to a head. You you know, you go all the way back to Eric Burns right. uh, in 2007 where it's like everyone hated that guy. Yeah. But then it was a flash in a pan because it's not like the Rockies came back and had another series with them next year or, you know, had the, the end of the season against them come down. You need two sides to be uh, – to sustain something – before you can really have a true rivalry. Is there a budding rivalry that you see with the Rockies? One that could become one, you know, should they meet in the postseason or something? What's really unfortunate, oh, there are a lot of things that are unfortunate about the season <laughs> the Rockies just played. One is that they were actually getting a budding rivalry with the Cubs, of all teams. Mm. But be, the way that game in the wild card, the one the Rockies won, went yeah. down, uh, there were also some back and forth between DJ LeMahieu and Javi Baez or between Trevor Story and Javi Baez disagreements. There's always been a natural rivalry between Arenado and Chris Bryant. And then there were some – There was a one-sided rivalry. Hey, yeah. But Bryant's got more awards and stuff and more national recognition. My eyes just rolled across yeah. the floor. <laughs> As well they should. But, I mean, and there were some – there was a really testy series here this year early on before we knew the Rockies were out of it where it looked like – you know they're going to get some fights with the Cubs the next time they see these two teams see each other. It is yeah, on. But the yeah. next two time those two teams saw each other, both were out of the postseason. <laughs> <laughs> no Nobody sense. Nobody cares. Cares. All, all beat up. Rudo, what about you? Look back at the whole decade. Who has been the Avs' biggest rivals or villains? Well, unfortunately, that last statement from Drew sums up a lot of the Avs parts of the decade where you know the teams they should be beefing with were just out of the playoffs and so were they so it didn't matter mm-hmm. but the Minnesota Wild are the one team that is is certainly the closest thing to a rival they have and this started in the previous decade as well going all the way back to 2003 even where they were the team that basically knocked Patrick Wad of his final playoff series mm-hmm. and then they kind of both teams found themselves in similar places in the middle of the decade or a little before the middle, really. And they ended up playing in the first round of the 2014 playoffs. Seven-game series. It was a great series. It was a total coming-out party for Nathan McKinnon as proving he's going to be a superstar in the league. And then the villain of the year is Matt Cook, who put the knee out, hit Tyson Berry, knee to knee, took Tyson Berry out of the series. Basically, four to six months of recovery time for Barry was during the off season, but completely intentional play and was just horribly dirty. And in hockey, most rivalries start around some kind of dirty play of some sort or another. And this was the one that sparked this one off to the boiling point. They were already close. They'd had some pretty touchy games. And then that was like, okay, we hate them now. What's the state of the rivalry right now? The rivalry is pretty meh at the moment. (laughs) You could say it's mild. Yeah, it's very (laughs) mild. So 
In the middle of the decade, there were two teams in a similar position. The Avs had just gotten Patrick Waz, their coach. They felt like they were coming out of a rebuild and, and trying to be competitive and be a regular playoff team, while the Wild were also building into trying to become a cup contender. So it felt like the Avs were a bit of the underdog, but then neither team really succeeded at all. So it left them both in the mushy middle of where the Wild were a first-round playoff team exit and the Avs were just on the outside. And when the Avs beat the Wild, they felt like, okay, now we're moving into the playoffs. When the Wild beat the Avs, they said, yeah, these are teams that we should be better than. And they just hated each other a lot. Yeah. They just did not like each other. And then, unfortunately, in the later part of this decade, both teams kind of just went their own ways. The Wild have now completely collapsed and are bad, and the Avs are very much on an upward trajectory. So they've they've kind of left each other behind, which is unfortunate. Always love a good rivalry, but... With the Avs being the team on the up-and-up, there are a lot of opportunities coming. Teams like Nashville, teams like Winnipeg, that it's not there yet, but another playoff series or two could get them there. And then the other, the hometown villain, if we want to get sure. into that conversation. For sure I do. Is Matt Duchesne. Yeah. And yeah. There are, there's always going to be a group of people that defend him. I was part of that group for a, a certain amount of time, but... He was a player that didn't want to be here, yeah. and he was a player that did not leave the team on good terms, and it him being the villain was the best thing that could have ever happened to the Avs in this decade. So. Why would you not – tell me this from a hockey's perspective – Denver's a great hockey town. There's a lot. Why would you not want to be in, in Denver? There's a lot of markets you could go to where I imagine the enthusiasm's pretty low. And we're talking about a guy who grew up an Avs fan. He did. He he was grown up an Avs fan in Canada, wanted to play for this team. When the Avs drafted him, he did a fist pump. He was like yeah. so happy to be with this team. But he was not the player the Avs needed. He mm. just was not the star player, the number one center on the team. Nathan McKinnon came in couple years down the line, everyone knew the writing was on the wall that McKinnon was going to be the 1C. Matt Duchesne had not had any success winning with this team. He had two first-round playoff exits. The Avs were moving in the wrong direction at that point. Did not like Patrick Waugh at all. Right, the, yeah. Those two had some beef. And he decided he wanted out from him publicly. He said he just wanted to win. He wanted to be on a winning team, which is funny because since he's right. left the Avs, <laughs> the Avs started winning. But and he's been losing. Well, he made the second round with Columbus last year. Right, right, right. It was the first year. It's not with quite Bryce Harper. But, but this yeah. is where I really get into the idea that Nashville is going to be a thing because Duchesne is now in Nashville. He's going to be in Nashville for the next six years, and the Avs are rising to that level of Nashville has won the Central Division, the division the Avs are in for the past three or four years in a row, and the Avs are coming and just. A couple weeks ago, they slapped down Nashville 9-4 to because Matt Duchesne scored a goal to make the game 3-2, to and the Avs just said, no, sir. <laughs> the greatest moment of my young hockey fandom. And yeah. I was asking people because I want to hate right. Nashville. Yeah. And I was asking Avs fans, who do I hate? And they all said Minnesota. Right. So if, you think, if you're looking ahead, that's a rivalry you sort of expect to kick up Absolutely. here going the, forward. The pieces are there. A couple years ago, they lost a first-round series to them. Now with Duchesne there. Now with a couple of these blowout-style games that we've been seeing, yeah. there's definitely a bit of chippiness in the games. That's the one to watch, in my opinion. I'm going to go next because I want the Broncos, I think, are the most interesting, so I want to save them for last. Um, for the Nuggets, there's really only one. The Nuggets weren't necessarily a 
a team that was good enough to develop rivalries early on in the decade. They lost to the Jazz. They lost to the Warriors before they were the Warriors, and then they were just out of the playoffs. The Jazz is the rivalry that always seemed like it should have been, but it never was. Maybe yeah. over the last 30 years. It's like, why aren't these two teams I'm gonna, huge I'm gonna rivals? Get, I'm going to get to them in a moment because I yeah. think that's one that could be budding. But, you know, there has been a very fun rivalry for the Nuggets, despite the fact that they haven't been, you know, one of the premier teams over the last few years, and that's with Portland. And as is always the case, first of all, Denver and Portland, I think I was going to bring this point up when you talked about Minnesota. Denver and Minnesota are comparable cities to me. They're bigger than you think. They're pretty big-sized metro areas but they're also flyover they're not talked about a lot so you get that no we're the stepchild that gets the attention today right. um i think with portland there's a lot of that same thing portland and denver weed cities microbrewery <laughs> cities <laughs> outdoor right. cities like there's they're hipster very very towns. similar hipster towns and then you get this Nurkic character who totally quit on the denver i mean absolutely quit the stories of him leaving the game at halftime are 100 percent true and just complete anybody that watched the Nuggets over his final months knows that he completely quit on the team. And then to go to Portland and be incredible, be the best version of himself, drop all kinds of weight, and then, oh, by the way, knock the Nuggets out of the playoffs and dance on their grave on the way out. It created, in a lot of ways, I appreciate it. it Thank created, you. Yeah, it's like a perfect little rivalry. And then, of course, last year, Denver gets knocked out in game seven of the playoffs by the same Blazers. And, you know, I think it's a, it's a real thing. And then not just that, but also, you know, Every fan base is weird. We were talking about this. Every fan base is annoying when you play them in a playoffs because every you know, people are so provincial. And I thought Portland was especially annoying in their series and trying to turn Jokic into some kind of like dirty villain player and, and just some of the narratives. So Portland, I think, is comfortable to say they were the best rivalry, and they're a rivalry that kind of still exists. They just picked up a guy by the name of Carmelo Anthony to yeah, round out yeah. the decade, which kind of makes yeah. it an even more there perfect. It's oh, yeah. A nice thing about all rivalries is – it's equal parts respect and equal parts hatred. Sure. Because when you're taking those jabs at Jokic or whoever, it's because you know they're good. Yeah. And you got to try to get under their skin a little bit and, and try to get that extra bit of edge. So I, I just love when two good teams or two teams, not even necessarily good, but on equal footing can come together and, and have a little bit of good old-fashioned hate. And they have a couple seminal moments. One, the Nurkic have a nice summer game. That's a very memorable one. If you look back at the decade, that's one of the most memorable games in a bad way. But then you also have, and I guess this is another bad one, you also have game three of the playoffs last year that went into quadruple overtime. And it's just it was one of those games where the Nuggets lost. I was in the building in Portland uh, at the Moda Center for this one, and it was one of those ones where I just walked. My first thought was, man, I'm glad I got to see this in person. What a, what a game. And so that when you have two teams that are that evenly matched and they also have this rivalry, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's, it, There's definitely respect. This one, is, I, th I think it maybe it's a little bit of recency. I think it's my favorite one right now uh, because of how much – like the other team has to play their role. And Portland made themselves very, very hateable in that playoff <laughs> series. Sure. Um, like, I never had anything against Dame or CJ McCollum before, and I left that being like, God, I hate those guys. <laughs> so uh, I appreciated that. I kind of wish Cantor was still around because he was definitely oh, the most so fun to, to hate. hate. Yeah. yeah, he's very easy to hate. He was very easy to hate. But this one, it's a good rivalry. And to go back to Utah, I think one of the problems there is that neither team – wants to look at the other one and, and say like that's what we should be aiming for that's another thing that's mm. kind of important it's kind of like a, a you know the tide rises raises all boats type of thing i think I, I think both i don't know about them i think both fan bases 
want to believe they're better than the other one. There's a similar thing that happens in baseball, too, and it's probably why the Rockies and Diamondbacks haven't ever officially like just made that their rivalries because they want to, They both think that they can rival the Dodgers. That's what everyone wants. Right, yeah. and, and it's like they've won seven divisions in a row. No one's rivaling the Los Angeles. I don't care how many. They've all got villains galore. You hate everybody on that team. I like Cody Bellinger. The rest of them can. Yeah. <laughs> That's definitely an issue. Growing up an Avs fan, the abs and the wings were the best two teams in the league. It was right. okay, these two teams play each other to win the West and whichever one does. And that's what truly makes a great rivalry is is when it's the best teams going at it. I th- I think there will be a rivalry between Utah and Denver in the early part of this next decade. They both are built around centers that are very different, extremely different, Jokic and Gobert and there's a lot of like who which one's better kind of back and forth with the fan base. But here's why I think me personally don't like and don't want a rivalry with Utah is you're often compared to your rival and even the rival fan base. And Denver's so much cooler than Salt Lake. <laughs> but so I think much. if you're from New York City, you kind of group them together as like, oh, yeah, mountain towns full yeah. of just boring people and everything. No, like, no, Denver is a cool city and Salt Lake City is not. And let's <laughs> let's not compare Shots ourselves. Fired. And those sure. and that fan base is... They have a very bad reputation. They do. Uh, you don't want to be grouped in with them. Their yeah. their whole situation is weird. I was talking on it's and it's an it's an old joke or whatever. But they're also the dumbest named team in all of pro sports. <laughs> <Yeah>. Jazz <laughs> should be New Orleans. That's it's not. Yeah. They're not cool like the Nuggets. All right, let's real, go real to- quick, real quick. One last one that I, I I I wish there would be a series here. It would obviously have to be in the finals. Philadelphia. There's a little yeah. something there right now. Well, again, it comes back to the Jokic and Bede argument and which one's better, and they're so different. And, and, and they actually represent different types of fan too, right? Jokic is the analytics, oh, you don't appreciate the game the way I do guy. And then Embiid's the like, oh, he dunked on you and talked trash guy. So they, they fit these perfect narratives, even though they shouldn't, just like you could step back and shoehorn them into those narratives. And it makes it a lot of fun. The last one I, I, I didn't mention, and it's a little bit old, but the Carmelo Anthony rivalry or villain, he became, I think, a villain this Definitely decade. Did, and, yeah. and I think there's something really, really, really cool to the fact that he left in 2011 and has not won in Pepsi yeah. Center since. And it's it's one of those perfect little things where it's like, yeah, you know, and he's had his own success. He's had his own thing, whatever. <laughs> But it is, yeah. But it is cool that Got he in has the second a, round. The last win he had, he was wearing powder blue. Yeah, very cool. Let's, right. let's go to Broncos. The, the giant horse in the room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you talk about sustained success and how they create rivalries, and that's why we probably got the best little rivalry of the decade here between the Broncos and the Patriots. Sure. Um, and the best part about it for our side is that in the two AFC championship games that they played and the Broncos prevailed, obviously Tom Brady, the main villain here, although Bill Belichick is also a perfect villain, but, you know, FYTB, that's a a famous saying around here because people really don't like Tom Brady. That one is is so awesome because the Broncos are the only one that kind of have his number. The, The thing that's kind of frustrating, though, is that you haven't gotten it back from the other side. Patriots fans are just so charmed that they don't oh, yeah. hate, they can't they don't really right. have that much hate they're like oh well yeah you guys beat us in those two that's that's cute you know and that's what's so frustrating tom brady has never like tried to like throw a stone at the broncos yeah um and that brings me 
to what could have been a, a fantastic rivalry if it wasn't just two trains kind of passing in the in the wrong directions. And is it ships sailing in the night or trains passing in the wrong uh, direction? Ships in it's the night. It's definitely ships. I, I was like, wow, are we making up a new <laughs> one? That's the I Brian Regan joke. I wasn't of- trying to make a metaphor. <laughs> uh, I, I wasn't using <laughs> a saying. I was just making a metaphor. Uh, <laughs> um, that's that Brian Regan joke about two trucks that pass on the interstate carrying logs. Like, didn't you already have logs over there? Can we? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, that's yeah. good. That's really I good. like that one. <laughs> so the, it, it's it's the Chiefs and the the Broncos. Yeah. When they had Peyton Manning and the Chiefs had Alex Smith, they were just so much better, you right. know, yeah. and and they were beating them just about every time until that last season uh, and really rolling. And the Chiefs were, were like sustaining – I don't know if excellence is the word, but they were really good. They're 10-11 team, win team every year, and those, these two teams would meet and they'd be undefeated. The Broncos would usually win. Then overnight – they get Patrick Mahomes, the Broncos lose Peyton Manning, and now it's the other way around where they're just winning every time. And it's like, man, they just missed it. They yeah. just missed a great rivalry because the Raiders rivalry is it's dead. dead. It died. It's, it's yeah. dead. What do you feel when the Raiders are in town? I mean, do you like – did the juice get flowing at all? Nothing. It's nothing. Brian, yeah, I that's how I nothing. feel too. It's just, <laughs> yeah. That one – it's weird to say, but that oh. one I think is for real dead. Just completely there's no more emotions. As Red Wings is the same way. It's oh. just dead. Oh, sad. So let's sad. couch that. And I want to couch it. I mean, and you could say that almost about CU Nebraska, which has kind of come yeah. back a little bit. But those were like three incredible rivalries in the yeah, 90s they and 2000s yep. that we've lost. That's really sad. Brutal. That – the inability to sustain that you're talking about is it's been so close. They've had these white hot moments at times, but you can't get the longevity of it. Yeah. I think the, the point you brought up though about new England is really cool in this one way. I mean, the Patriots have owned, we're going to do this on another show, but they've owned football for, for quite a while. And it is cool to be the one team that can look at it and say, haven't owned, you know, you've owned the league when we've been down and not good enough to compete, but the Broncos, would the it, Broncos would, and Eli Manning. Got yeah, it, right? <laughs> yeah, you're right. I guess there are two. <laughs> if it wasn't for Archie Manning, yeah, then oh, man, Tom the, Brady. Who's Tom he? Brady has like ten rings right now. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, is there any other sort of villains? Has anybody played the villain role for the uh, for the Broncos? So one, and and it goes back to the Chiefs here. One that. I think will become that is Patrick Mahomes. No doubt about it. But it's too early yeah. where he hasn't become hateable yet. Like Broncos fans That's true. want That's to point. hate him right now, but it's like, what's hateable but, but, about oh, Patrick Mahomes? So he likes ketchup, you know? Like <laughs> no, well, so he's entertaining, right? And you always, I think, inherently people root for greatness, and he's so fun and so great. But you're right that there is a point when it's like, oh, look no. at Steph Curry. Yeah, oh, for sure. He was fun. Everyone everyone thought he was fun for a while, and then, then he, he became not well, fun. Well, here's the thing. The Broncos haven't been good enough for Mahomes to ruin their season yet. Yep, They've been right. bad the two years or whatever. Once they're good, and then he ruins your season or, or has that chance, then that's when you hate him. Yeah, yeah, just ask Chiefs fans about John Elway. Exactly. <laughs> or Peyton Manning for that really, matter. Yeah. You know, he came in and ruined a couple of good seasons for them. Or not ruined them, but was yeah. the better team in the division. So – uh, Mahomes, his day will come. He he will become a villain. Right now, he's he's fresh and new and cute and good. Eventually, he will become a villain. Greatness okay. earns the respect, right? He's yeah. got the respect. Now it's time for the hate. <laughs> I th- I think there's another one um, that's sort of a villain. It fits our our exes, <laughs> like we hate your exes theme, and that is uh, McDaniel's. Yes, yeah. For sure. yeah. He well, he's probably no, the number one. 
most hated person in Broncos country. And so I think he's That's worth mentioning me. here because do we all channel back to the fist pump moment? I think are they six and zero? They just beat the Patriots on a walk off like, field goal. Did it, uh, McDaniel's was my guy. Yeah, right. <laughs> Those are the days, man. I mean, he was a true Bronco, and you're just you're fist pumping, and you're like, oh man, look at the passion. The sensei defeated yeah. the, the whatever, yeah. or no, the the grasshopper defeated yeah. the sensei. Yeah. If you can go, if you can freeze that moment in time and be like. This is the last moment you'll like this guy. <laughs> it was you a bad moment. McDaniel's new. Yeah, <laughs> pumping on the field, and, and it yeah, is right real. Right. That was a real. That was a real Anakin Skywalker sort of yeah. <laughs> story arc. And that's grown with time, especially because he went back to the Patriots. Right. I mean, good. I mean, there's there are people who truly, truly believe that Belichick sent McDaniel's to the Broncos to to, <laughs> to sabotage. You know them. what? I, I believe it too. I haven't heard that, but I believe it now. Yeah, I don't need any more facts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just take it at face you're value. Right. Those sons of you're right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like and the Broncos weren't even that good at that time. Like, <laughs> Belichick's like, go get them. I just don't like them. Just them. I sabotage. Wanna, them. I want to spend a second here to talk about the greatest rivalries of all time because to end this, we'll mm. kind of compare it and, and look forward, but. To me, you mentioned the Avs Red Wings. It's to me, that was such a beautiful rivalry for a long time. That for one lasted a, a good full decade, decade just yeah. about. And so good. How many titles were between them over? You know, Avs won two, Red Wings won three. I think. So you're talking about half the decade came down and, to that rivalry. And the yeah. first one the Avs won was the year the Red Wings had the most regular season wins ever. Yeah. So it and then. Everything starts with a dirty play. Claude Lemieux, you know, almost killed a guy to start off this rivalry. <laughs> it, it happens. You just have to accept it. And the the great thing about this rivalry is it had everything. It had the respected legends, Joe Sackick and Steve Eiserman. It had the dirty sons of yeah. Claude Lemieux, Darren McCarty, Chris Chelios. Yeah. And it just was two incredibly talented teams that truly wanted to see the other team bleed. That's what, And that's what I was just going to say. There's one part of that rivalry that it has that no, no one else can really say it has literal blood yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's blood yep. on the ice that's the thing yeah. about hockey though is that you get to hit each other <laughs> yeah. you bleed sometimes you bleed and especially like, and also talk about bad blood they literally had bad blood it also brought us a goalie fight right two 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 goalie yeah. fights like, almost three should have been to three me, that might be the best rivalry in denver sports <laughs> history because of the championship stakes yeah. because of the like crazy things that happen like goalie skating to center court to beat each it, other it, up so I grew up with that, and my dad grew up in Connecticut, so mm. he was a Boston Red Sox fan. So, oh, okay. So I had Avs, Red Wings, Boston Yankees yeah. growing up, and to me, nothing compares to those two. Bro- so Broncos Raiders is the other one to me that would be in this one, and we talked about how it's fizzled out, but for a long time, that was that was the game on the calendar every yeah. year. It's so sad that it's gone. It, honestly, every time the week starts up, I like, get on the podcast and I'm like, "It's Raiders week," and it's like, "There's just there's it doesn't nothing. there's you don't feel anything." Yeah, um, and it's the Raiders' fault. You can be yeah. mad at the Raiders for ruining the rivalry with the Raiders if that's the most thing you can get mad at them for right now. They just sucked too much. Yeah, honestly, and, and it you know the Broncos were out there winning championships and. Winning AFC championships and division titles, and the Raiders were just, we were completely irrelevant. They weren't there to fight the Broncos. CU Nebraska would be number three. It would be the rounding out the top three for me because I that one to me again had championship stakes at one point in the in the nineties. Multiple 90s, points, multiple yeah. Points and um, you know obviously Big Twelve stakes as well. Um, I don't know that there's great Rockies or Nuggets rivalries in history. 
No, there there really aren't. The, the Nuggets had that issue during the Carmelo years where it, it would have either been like the Spurs or the Lakers, but and those teams always won. Yeah. It, they they yeah. didn't consider Denver yeah. a rivalry. Exactly, yeah. right? And and the same thing with the Rockies. They never hung around long enough. How about the Rockies, the Nuggets, and the Avs? I think Comcast is a budding rivalry. Yeah, I, was, <laughs> I was literally just going to say, how about against the media? The Nuggets, yeah. the Avs, and the Rockies yeah. over the last 10, 15 in, years yeah. against the media. In 2029, when someone comes back to listen to this podcast, to remember what the the decade was that's going to be a, a yeah. deep cut joke <laughs> it will be very <laughs> deep yeah, cut right. uh, going forward let's do this last one so rivalries you see like a big we talked about this i guess beat by beat but is there one rivalry we look at it at the denver sports level and say that's one that's going to really capture the city right now yeah or is it just dirty can't tell it's almost up in the air yeah. I, I don't I mean I think uh like I said Nuggets Blazers that has a really I don't know if Blazers are going to be good. Right. And that's they might what have I was peaked. Just, uh and the Avs I think you know hockey rivalries are great. I have a lot more faith in the Nuggets like sticking to one and finding one. They got to they got to meet in the playoffs multiple times and that's yeah. just hard to predict and hard to to happen so um, for basketball, I think that's a big part of it. But, you know, Nuggets look like they'll be good for a while, so I think the rivalry come back, rivalries will come back. I will say the Broncos historically don't stay down long. Yeah. If they can – hey, if Drew Locke yeah. – and, again, there someone might listen to this Drew, in 2029 and laugh, or who? they might say yeah, he, was, he called that's, it. That's so great. Uh, Drew Locke, who has yet to play as yeah. a recording of this. But you know what? It could be. Mahomes is like a clear star. Oh, you want to talk about – Get a little Drew Locke yeah. where he's not the star guy he is, but you know what? He just always wins. Yeah. He always beats him. And you know what would be awesome for Denver if this pans out? And I wrote about this the day that they drafted Drew Locke. For for maybe the first time, the Broncos would actually be the true – or Drew Locke, in this case, would be the true villain – because he's the edgy one. He's the one who, you know, likes to uh, talk trash. Yeah. He's from Columbia, Missouri. He grew up a Kansas City Chiefs fan. Oh, All of his fans man. are Chiefs fans. He could be like the best it's villain in Denver yeah. history. Let's do this. Yeah. It's too perfect. I'm ready. The, that could the, be my huge. spirit is ready. You, you could, could you make moments there for sure. Could yeah. you imagine? The Broncos and Ch the Chiefs still haven't won one. The Broncos and Chiefs meet in an AFC oh, championship game. I'm already game. imagining this. And Drew Locke takes their souls. Oh, I'm imagining it. Let's do this. That's so far. We we need back, step 1 back, first. back on the Broncos. Right. <laughs> back on the bandwagon. You Broncos just lost to the Chiefs this year with injuring Patrick Mahomes or taking him out of the game oh, this year. Right. But right. You come in, you They'll beat remember. him next year with Drew Locke at the helm. Yeah. All of a sudden there starts to be something real quick. Then if you get into playoffs and stuff, you're talking real rivalry. Come on, Drew. Let's come on, Drew. We Let's need go. you. We're not putting that much on your shoulders. Just, just beat the Chiefs. Rivalry with a beat much the superior best team. quarterback in the league, maybe. That's all. <laughs> Guys, that was a lot of fun. It was fun to look back at the decade and do some rivalries. And, of course, we're going to be back. This was the first of ten straight days we will be talking about the decade, reliving it, recontextualizing it, and just writing the history books on what happened. This was the Villains episode, the Rivalries episode. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back again.